Hello, Marvelites! You're listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 617. I'm Ryan Panagos, aka Agent M, and I'm rolling solo this week, uh, giving love and shouts to our pals Angelique Rochet and James Monroe Iglehart. Uh, they couldn't be with me, but the show goes on because this is the official Marvel podcast where we get to talk about all things happening this week in Marvel. That's right, we're going to talk about games, comics, movies, books, TV. We also have a Marvel Insider code, but most importantly, this week, we are talking to the co-writers of the upcoming Ms. Marvel, the new mutant comic, Iman Vellani and Saber Perzada. It's a good-ass book, y'all, and you're going to hear that full interview in just a little while. Right now, though, let's get into some news. First up this week is the launch of Marvel Snap on PC. It's official. It's here. It's happening. You can download it now. You can play it like everybody on mobile has been playing it to their hearts content for such a long time. Some very cool stuff. There's some uh, other fun stuff going on for Marvel Snap this week because it's Gamescom over in Cologne, Germany. I know Ben Brode, who's the big creative lead on the project. He's out there. They're doing fun stuff. It's real cool. This month is also, this whole season has been uh, the quote-unquote big in Japan season, which is really mostly just like tied to Wolverine. So we've had great new characters like X-23, Lady Deathstrike, Silver Samurai. It is super fun times right now. So, of course, download Marvel Snap on PC now. Speaking of awesome things that you can download, Marvel Move is launching next week, you guys. I know you've heard it. August 30th is when you will be able to download Marvel Move on iOS and Android. I will be talking about it next week with writer Teeny Howard, who is the writer of our big, giant, amazing X-Men series. We'll talk about it a whole bunch more next week. Again, Marvel Move launching August 30th. Now let's get into some comic book news, starting with Spider-Gwen Smash. This was previously announced at San Diego Comic-Con as Spider-Gwen on tour. This is the series written by Melissa Flores with art by Anid Balam and covers by David Nakayama. It's a four-issue limited series in which Gwen, our favorite Spider-Gwen, she's on her Earth-65 in her native universe. And... She's going out on tour with the Mary Janes. It's going to be big. It's going to be fun. We actually have a conversation with Melissa coming up for you in the next couple of weeks, uh, which was really delightful. This is going to release this December, so you got a little ways to go, but get excited. Another thing you should get excited about is Star Wars Visions Peach Momoko. The, it's a new number one, and it's going to let Peach just go ham on the Star Wars universe. Is that a term? Yeah, that's a term, going ham. This is coming out in November, and it's going to be three one-shots where we get to see Peach do her amazing storytelling, really um, vivid, beautiful imagination, doing different tales, utilizing the Star Wars um, characters and universe, but totally making it, uh, making it very much her own. So this brings a whole bunch of new characters and a whole different vibe to Star Wars. It's going to be very cool. Again, Star Wars Visions, Peach Momoko, number one, on sale November 15th. 
more Star Wars news for you. Star Wars High Republic Phase 3. This is um, just like sort of following up on what's going on. We are bringing back Star Wars The High Republic. This is going to start with a year after the destruction of Starlight Beacon. You've got uh, Martian Row and the Nile standing victorious. Dun, dun, dun. The galaxy is in turmoil. The once mighty Jedi are outclassed. The Republic is on its knees. You got Jedi Master Keeve Trennis leading a desperate assault against an invading force. The odds against her, but a Jedi always clings to hope. Dun dun dun. Some fun twists and turns coming with this one. Uh, Star Wars: The High Republic, number one, beginning of phase three, written by Kevin Scott with art by Ariel Anandito and covers by the Goat Phil Noto, coming this November. All right, more comic stuff because Blade co-creator Marv Wolfman is returning to Marvel Comics horror in What If Dark: Tomb of Dracula, number one. I saw this come through. I got hella freaking excited. This is coming out in November. You got Marv Wolfman along with artist David Cutler doing a new What If Dark tale where Blade gets transformed by Dracula. Uh, of course, you've got Marv Wolfman, who just did such incredible work on the Tomb of Dracula years ago. He introduced Dracula to the Marvel Universe, co-created Blade, and the daughter of Dracula, Lilith Drake. Now we're, we're decades later from that, he's coming back to this work uh, with this new story that asks the question, what if the legendary Dracula transformed Blade the Vampire Slayer into a vampire. Look, I'm a sucker for a good what if. I love a good what if question. Everything hinging on that stuff. This is gonna do it. Uh, we got a beautiful main cover by Giuseppe Camacoli. What if Dark Tomb of Dracula coming out November 8th. It's gonna be uh, super cool to have Marv Wolfman coming back to tell more stories with these characters. Now, do you like books? Do you like art? How about art books? Because The Art of Eternals is out now. Uh, if you are a fan of Marvel Studios Eternals, you can get the whole behind-the-scenes visual development smorgasbord of the film in Marvel Studios Eternals, The Art of the Movie, which is on sale now. It's got tons and tons of exclusive concept artwork, in-depth interviews with a creative team. Um, it's, I, it's just gorgeous seeing the concept art of the Celestials, the Eternals, sort of the big scale and scope of that film is really, really wonderful. You can get a preview of the book over on marvel.com, and then you can check out your copy of Marvel Studios Eternals, the art of the movie from wherever you get fine books. Here's a piece of news that uh, surprised and delighted, I think, a ton of people this week because Marvel Studios WandaVision and Marvel Studios Loki Season 1 coming to 4K Ultra HD and Blu-ray. This is super cool. These two awesome series from Marvel Studios are going to be available on Collector's Edition 4K Ultra HD and Blu-ray, um, which is really cool, everybody. I, I think a lot more people are getting into having physical, tangible media for the shows that they love. And these are going to have really cool steelbook packaging, concept art cards, and never-before-seen bonus features. Those are all wonderful reasons to go out and pick this up. Each title will be available nationally on Blu-ray Steelbook with cohesive and collectible brand new box art designed by popular artist Attila Zarka and collectible concept art cards. And you won't have to wait very long for either of these. Marvel Studios Loki, the complete first season, releases September 26th of this year. And Marvel Studios WandaVision, the complete series, releases November 28th of this year. Both of them will be available for pre-order next week. That's Monday, August 28th. Get ready. 
make sure you secure your copies of those. You know what you should also do? Secure your copies of some great new comic books. There were some, <laughs> there were a lot of really good books this week. Uh, so new comics on sale at your local comic shop or through uh, a fine digital retailer that you may may use. Um, I, 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 look, I'm alone. I'm picking five books. Nobody can stop me. Captain America finale number one wraps up the big, amazing storyline by uh, Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly and Carmen Carnero. It is... It's, it's wonderful. It just wraps things up. It gives you a lot of Steve and Bucky and other big feelings. It's got uh, a kitty cat going wild. Not the first time a kitty cat will go wild this week. It is terrific. Uh, we've got Deadpool number 10 this week, which is the final issue by Alyssa Wong and Luigi Zagaria, which is it's a little bit of a heartbreak, a little bit of a big rah-rah, hoot and holler and fun times. There's a lot of really filthy, like, subtle jokes in here that I absolutely love. It is laugh out loud funny. It is a great romance book. It is exceptionally violent. One of our favorites. This 10 issue run has been one of my all-time favorite Deadpools. I'd put it up there with some Jerry Duggan written Deadpool. So that's saying a lot. Then another pick is Immortal Thor number one. This is a banger of a first issue written by Al Ewing with art by Martin Coccolo and colors by Matthew Wilson. There, Al has a little letter at the end about how he first got into Thor as a kid, and he likes to see Thor smile, which I think is such a cool thing. It's like, it, it you, we've gotten all these broody, dark, very intense Thor stories, and this is very intense. There's a Thor fighting something bigger than most things. It's like, you know, giant planet destroying level type things, but there's he's like happy and he's reveling in, in the possibility of goodness. Um, even in despite the, the face of, of all the terror and the, the, the hardships he's come across, there's some gorgeous, big, big double page spreads, full page spreads by Martine in this issue. Um, if you liked Al Ewing's immortal Hulk, you are going to love immortal Thor. That is, that is almost a promise. I don't promise anything. We've got Jean Grey number one, which is one of our Fall of X titles. Uh, I heard much love about Jean Grey from numerous people, and it lived up to it. There's kind of a sort of almost what if vibe to it, but it's not a what if, and it like sort of goes in different directions and it leaves opens up a lot of questions. It is written by uh, you know Louise Simonson, one of the greats, which is really cool. It's art by Bernard Chang, colors by Marcelo Maiolo. And it is beautiful. There's this double page spread early in the book where just scenes of Jean's life that I stared at for quite a long time. I don't want to give anything away because this is a Fall of X title, but does this this does have a lot of twists and turns in it. But um, yeah, it's really good. Also, the new Jean Grey logo that's on the cover is a banger. It's really, really nice. Go check that out. The big surprise, the one that I did not know was going to be one of my favorite comics of the year is Marvel Unleashed number one. If you are a fan of the Pet Avengers, this is not the Pet Avengers, but it lives in that spirit. This is written by Kyle Starks with art by Jesus Rivas and colors by Yen Nitro. And this brings together a bunch of animal uh, characters. So in that Pet Avengers vibe, going on an adventure, essentially. And this issue opens with Lockjaw getting captured by Craven the Hunter, and it spins out from there. We are introduced to a new character named D-Dog. I, 
I would do anything for D-Dog. My favorite new character. She is incredible. This book made me laugh out loud numerous times. It literally made me cry. I've lost two cats to um, bad illnesses in the last year and like two months. Destroyed me. But at the same time, I like one page before I was laughing out loud. One page later, I was laughing out loud. It is everything I want out of a, a wonderful comic. It has got uh, beautiful characters. Red Wing in here. Um, the, the Falcon or Captain America's uh, Falcon is incredible. Incredible. And you've got Chewie, the Flurkin. You've got D-Dog. You've got a whole bunch of other characters. Lucky, Pizza Dog, and many, many more. Honestly, my pick, of the, my hands down, my number one pick of the week. Said it. Can't take it back. Uh, that's that. That's too many picks of the week, but whatever. Also, a couple other things to note. Contest of Chaos continues in the Fantastic Four annual. Invincible Iron Man has lots of Tony Stark and Emma Frost, which sets up the big wedding stuff coming really soon. And in Amazing Spider-Man, stuff is popping off. If you are excited about Kraven and want to see a different side of Spidey, that's the issue to check out in Amazing Spider-Man number 32. So, lots of great comics this week, but we got to talk about another great comic coming next week very soon as we talk with Aman Vellani and Sabir Perzada. Be right back. Hey, we're back. You are listening to This Week in Marvel. I'm Ryan Panagos. I'm alone this week, but not for long because coming up, we have the co-writers of the new Ms. Marvel, the New Mutant series, Iman Vellani and Sabir Perzada. Let's talk with them about getting into comics, writing this new chapter for Kamala Khan, and so much more. All right, everybody, we are talking about Ms. Marvel, the New Mutant here with co-writers Iman Vellani. Hi, Iman. Hi. And Saber Perzada. Hello, Saber. Hello. Very exciting. Got a lot to talk about. But first things first, what are your Marvel origin stories? How did you first become fans of the Marvel characters? Iman, let's start with you. Oh, God, where to begin? I mean, I had an older brother and he likes to take credit for everything that I do and have interest in, but I will not give him that pleasure. <laughs> I like to think I just strolled into a comic book store one day and fell in love with these characters. I mean, obviously, the MCU had a big part of it, and I had a huge crush on Robert Downey Jr. And I was like, I need more Iron Man. And then I accidentally picked up Ironheart. And then I fell in love with Bendis. And then I saw Kamala on one of the covers. And I fell in love with her. Um, and then I just read every single issue I can get my hands on. I dressed up as her on Halloween. It was, like, a very big part of my life, and I protected this character with... Everything I had because no one knew who she was. And so, yeah, now now I'm here three years later and life is a little crazy. And I get to write the character that I fell in love with. So how, how cool is that? It's freaking cool as heck. Saber, yeah. how about you? So the first comic I ever read was a Marvel comic. And it was a team up between Spider-Man, Storm, and Luke Cage. And the villain was named Smokescreen. And the message of the comic was don't smoke. And I never have. It just really <laughs> made an impression on me. It was my introduction to both Marvel and comics and was the beginning of a, a lifelong obsession, uh, which I sort of built on when I visited my cousin in India when they had rolling blackouts there in Mumbai. So there was really nothing to do but read his comic book collection. He had all these amazing Silver Age comics. And so I dug into all of those and, and then uh, promptly started my own collection after that. 
That is awesome. So in the 12 years I've been doing this show, the 17 years I've been at Marvel, you're the first person who said their introduction to Marvel was one of our PSA comics. Because we did a ton of those <laughs> Spider-Man tries to tell you not to like walk on the railroad tracks or like eat glass or whatever it is. We have a ton of those. So bless you for bringing that to the show. <laughs> I love that. Um, what do you so you two are obviously huge fans and you're you're engulfed and now you're you're in the Marvel universe working on these characters in the comics. What are you current are you guys currently reading? What are your go-to books, your stories, the things that like, you know, either it's a, a comfort thing or like you gotta be there to get it when a new issue comes out? Ooh. I mean, my my like comfort stories right now are Silver Surfer. Um, that whole Terrible omnibus is like kind of awesome. Heck yeah. yeah, yeah, a lot of good Steve Englehart. <laughs> um, outside of Marvel, Paper Girls started that oh, yeah. pretty good. Oof, yeah, real good. For me, it's anything X Men. I'm there, kind of always been there. That was sort of the first major obsession I had within the Marvel universe. So. I mean, you're, I think you're, you guys are in a good spot then, telling Ms. Marvel's story as she uh, enters Mutant Kind. So, Amon, you're obviously a, like a giant fan of comics and of Marvel. Um, prior to this professional experience, and when you were talking about it, you were, you were checking out these books and your brother, was that fandom a solitary thing? Did you have a broader community? Was it you and your brother? Was it your family, your friends? Like, what is that building? Because obviously comics is such an important part of our community. Yeah, my brother never read any comics, so that's all me. Um, but no, my high school is right across from a comic shop, and my parents would give me like $20 allowance every month, and so I would spend them on trades. And I don't know, like I just became pals with the, the guy who runs the store, and, and he's been my biggest cheerleader. He's the best and so enthusiastic about me doing this, and, and we have wonderful chats about all things comics. And so he was a kind of catalyzed a lot of uh you know my comics journey for me and and then read it but um yeah <laughs> that that's a big part of it too just online discussions and and kind of finding people who enjoy the same books that I do because no one in my real life outside of the people at the comic book store read comics and none of my friends were into marvel or heroes at all and so i felt very much like this was my own thing and it's the only thing i would talk about in school and i know people just hated me for that like i would not shut up it was like i was like that person after watching any mc movie like did you realize did you notice did you see easter egg number 28 like <laughs> it's the worst but i think all that work paid off now yes so yeah yeah like I think about some of our the people who are editing our comics and people who are like vice presidents in our publishing division. They started out as interns. They started out as fans who were the same as you, who are like finding the tiniest little things and like digging into those. So for anybody listening, your career can start by just reading the comics. It's a beautiful yeah. thing. Um, Saber, you've been working and writing in, in Hollywood for a bit before writing comics for Marvel, but your overall comic work goes back well before that, right? Yeah, so I actually tried my hand at breaking into comics writing before I tried TV writing or anything else. So I was, you know, finding uh, artists online that I could hire to sort of work with and illustrate some of my scripts and, you know, try to put uh, pitches together to publishers that, that accepted that type of, you know, creator-owned work. Um, and it took a long time to get those things together. I was trying to, you know, pay my way through it by being on like a writer's assistant salary when I was you know, working in Hollywood. And so, as you can imagine, that it didn't pay very well. So I could only really afford to pay an artist to do one page a month, 
you know, so my first graphic novel was a 66 page graphic novel. It took me years and years to make. So it was, it was a long time coming. And then as I started to find work with Marvel studios, all the stars sort of aligned to sort of open up the door to show the independent work that I had done to folks at Marvel comics. And that opened the door for me uh, to write some comics for Marvel. Wait, what was your first book? It was uh, a, a graphic novel that I published digitally on Comixology. It was called Violets, and it was about a magic flower that whoever you give it to will fall in love with you. And then oh, uh, dark, bad things may happen from there. And so that's <laughs> that's sort of what it was. And, you know, uh, very few people read it, but one of them happened to be an editor at Marvel Comics. And, and that was the start of my relationship with Marvel. BRB, going to go find it right now? <laughs> <laughs> so as someone new to writing comics, Amon, what, what sort of challenges did you face? How much did you talk to Cyber about like the just like getting started on the page? Yeah, it's, <laughs> I mean, I was terrified. I had to do a lot of I wasn't OK. X, the X-Men part of things scared me the most. I did not read a lot of X-Men in high school. In mm -hmm. fact, I did not read any X-Men in high school. And when I first approached Sana about writing a comic, and we got the go-ahead to do it. She calls me before my meeting with Marvel Editorial. She's like, by the way, they're going to tell you they're killing Miss Marvel when she's coming back as a mutant. And you have to deal with the aftermath. And I was like, no. And I screamed into a pillow and just picked up Jonathan Hickman's Xbox. And that was my textbook for this entire process. Because we, we basically started, I think it was beginning of March, Saber came on board. And then by the end of the month, we had to have a draft ready. So it was a very quick turnaround, and I was just absorbing as much content as possible. I literally had the 90s co um, cartoon playing in the background while reading Hickman's Run, and then on my laptop I had Grant Morrison's new X-Men, and I was just, like, absorbing as much information as possible. And, and then we also, like, had the, the entire X-Office as a great resource. Jerry Duggan was awesome and kind of, like, answering any questions that we had. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean... I'm I'm very grateful to Saber. You're, he's a fantastic writer and easily one of the most generous collaborators. I think, you know, he really gave me the upper hand in, in kind of driving the narrative and, and getting all my wishes answered. We literally made a wish list at the beginning of this whole thing of like everything we wanted to see, jokes we wanted to have, stuff we wanted to tell. And, and so that was kind of fun. And anytime we came across any speed bumps or continuity issues, he would be the first one with like 20 ideas on how to, you know, solve the problems and get to tell the story that we wanted to tell the way we wanted to tell it. And, you know, I probably learned the most from him, not even directly, but like through your emails, dude, like the way he like, <laughs> communicates and, and integrates editorial notes into his pages coherently and effectively and communicates opinions if we don't necessarily agree with anything. So I probably would have been a lot more reluctant for this whole thing if I didn't have a solid co-writer because it was it was scary like I didn't even realize they were going to say yes to letting me do this in the first place so I forgot about that wish list now I want to go back and look at how many of those I know. things can we're, we cross we're off, still editing you know? number four we can we can go back on it <laughs> yeah another couple more in there I was going to ask how that wish list is fared but also I was thinking you know like having the co-writer starting that way is is such a, a a wonderful thing to do i think about grant grant morrison and mark miller started out as co-writers on a lot of stuff and then look at them now you think about yeah. jonathan hickman worked as co-writer for a lot of people like um uh, matt fraction ed brubay like a lot of some of the greatest comic book writers of this generation had to work with someone else to figure out the the nuts and bolts of this so um Good job, you too. That's it's. Yeah. I just want to say, Iman has been a total pro at this. You would never guess this is her first comic. Like she really understands the language of comics and how to use this medium to tell a story. 
effectively. So I'm really excited for the world to see what a fantastic writer she is. Ah, shucks. I mean, I really wish I had a crash course at the beginning of all of this. Of like, because a, a comic book script is also so different from a movie script. Like, you're, you're writing page one, panel one, describe everything that's in the panel. You know, how are you going to split your dialogue between what panels to tell the story effectively? It's like so much. And, and I think, like, I've definitely progressed from issue one to now issue four. And, and our poor assistant editor, Lauren Amaro, she, like, she inherits the different formatting that Yvonne uses that, that, that I use. And she's <laughs> got to put it all together and make yeah. sense out of it before it gets turned around to the artist, art team. Uh, so that's not an easy task. Thank you, Lauren. Uh, let's let's talk about that art team. You have amazing artists in Carlos Gomez and Adam Gorham, the two of them, and then and yeah. they're working on the book. Are they taking any specific parts of each issue? How is that working with having two artists? Yes, they are taking specific parts. It's it's actually story driven. Why each of them is doing their respective sections? Are we allowed to talk about why? What do you think? I don't know. <laughs> how about how about will Maybe we'll continue our conversation in another part after the first issue releases, and then we can talk a little bit about how their art splits. Wonderful. That's a tease for everybody <laughs> to come back for our second part of this conversation next week. So as we get ready to go on to uh, thinking about the, the next part, before we do that, uh, I got to ask, though, the first time you saw art come in, Iman, that is mm -hmm. based on something you'd written and helped create four Marvel comics. What's that feeling like? What's going through your head? Paint that scene a little bit. It's probably the coolest part of the whole thing, receiving sketches from both our artists. Like It's it's so fascinating to see how they respond to the material that we give them and, and interpret it in their work. Like Sometimes it's super validating as a writer when, when they draw a page exactly like how I pictured it. And other times it's more of a learning opportunity, I would call it, to, to make sure I clarify details in my panel descriptions and in a way that's like, you, you know, more comprehensive for the artist. And I mean, I'm, I'm just like unlocking so many new communication skills throughout this entire thing. So I love it. It's great. Um, but yeah, it's, it's super surreal. Like just, just seeing the cover art come in and then seeing like our last names on the corner, like I freaked out and I still can't get over it. Oh, yeah, I, I should have warned you. It gets very addictive to like start your day that way and wake up and see what the artist has, has put in your inbox. It's it's my favorite yeah. part of my day. And I wake up at noon, so I get to see a <laughs> lot of emails in the morning. Oh, God. It's great. Uh, but you know what? We're going to talk a little bit more about Ms. Marvel, the new mutant, uh, her costume, the status quo she's coming into in this book in our next episode. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Yes, that was Iman Vellani and Sabra Perzada. Uh, you heard it there on the, the chat. We are going to be talking with them again next week because Ms. Marvel, The New Mutant, written by them, uh, is coming out. And we're going to chat with them a little bit more about the book, maybe go a little behind the scenes on that first issue. So make sure you pick up Ms. Marvel, The New Mutant, number one, out August 30th, and then come back for us next week to talk about it with the co-writers. It is now time for the community section, a.k.a. This Week in Messages, and thinking about next week. Now, again, we are going to have Iman Vellani and Sabra Perzada on to talk about Ms. Marvel New Mutant, but... 
We are also going to be talking with Teeny Howard, who is the writer of our big X-Men story for Marvel Move. Marvel Move, again, is this um, uh, interactive-ish storytelling audio experience where you will be part of a whole bunch of stories featuring Marvel superheroes and supervillains and action and adventure, and you you get to go on these cool stories. Um, we were going to have uh, Thor and Loki. We'll have Daredevil, Hulk. We're going to have the X-Men and more. And so I was thinking, which Marvel characters would you like to go on a run or walk with? Or you can answer, whose fitness goals do you aspire to? So maybe you you don't necessarily like to run or walk, or maybe you like to cycle. Maybe you like to just, you know, get swole and... and, and um, clang and bang a bit, but you can answer that either way. Really, we just want you to get fit with us with Marvel Move. It's a lot of fun. I think so. I'm torn because I, I hear all of our stories in Marvel Move. I absolutely love our Thor and Loki. I think they are the most fun, but I also love being told by Wolverine to start running, bub. It is, it is very inspirational to have Wolverine in your ears, basically like picking you up by the scruff of your neck and like getting you to keep running because Sentinels are basically blasting at your feet. Uh, but uh, Jasmine, our producer, has just reminded me of the correct answer, which is D-Dog, star of the new Marvel Unleashed book. Holy moly, that would be so fun. Anyway, those are some answers for me. Wolverine, Loki, Thor, and D-Dog. Let us know which Marvel characters you would like to go on a run or walk with, whose fitness goals you want to aspire to in the Marvel Universe. You can tweet your answers using hashtag ThisWeekInMarvel. Email them to twinpodcast at marvel.com or send a message to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash thisweekinmarvel. Please make sure to tell us it is okay to read Twim on the show so we can just do that. We can read it on the show. Let's get into answers for last week because our question of the week from last week was with Ms. Marvel back and part of the X-Men, what Marvel characters do you want to see her team up with? First up is Braces and Glasses at Bay Area Kid Storm who said, my Ms. Marvel team up would be with her and the Hulk. She would make the solid walls and Hulk would smash them with people behind them. Oh, the fun with that. That's a great answer. Braces and Glasses. That's, uh, I think, more MCU style, which totally acceptable and we love it. And... That really would be a ton of fun. I also would love to see her with She-Hulk, like MCU Ms. Marvel and MCU She-Hulk. I'm just I have to stop thinking about that or else I will get distracted. Let's get back to the comments. Dolphin Pants at Dolphin Pants underscore tweeted, I would love to have Kamala find herself accidentally joining X-Force and then somehow convincing them to stop their ways to try a more peaceful approach. Holy cow, Dolphin Pants. That would be so fun to like try to convince none of them to stab everyone to try to convince Kamala trying to convince Omega red not to use his death powers on someone. I need it. Alan John Wilkinson at Cassius three, three, five tweeted Molly Hayes. Any excuse to see what the runaways are up to, to be honest. Yes, 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 yes. And yes. Karis Pollard at a Karis Pollard tweeted. I have a perfect answer. Namor. They're both mutants, but with other strong communities slash responsibilities. And heaven knows, Namor could do with a bit of Ms. Marvel to guide him. You know what? Karis has the perfect answer. As usual. Thanks, Karis. We got an email from Paul Warren. Paul said, I would pair Ms. Marvel with Sabretooth, reluctantly bringing out his paternal side that we saw in Age of Apocalypse and Exiles. I also thought about the Avengers squad question from a couple weeks back. Instead of the big three of Cap, Stark, and Thor... 
Old slash future Doreen Green, Iron Lad, and future Danny Cage with Mjolnir. Then they'd pick up Victor Mancha, Hazmat, Gabby Kinney, Sherry Wong, Superior Spider-Man, and Titania. Uh, basically, you're doing an Avengers Forever type story here, and I am all for it, Paul. Very, very good. We got a message to Facebook from Ricky. Ricky said, I'm going to cheat a little bit here since I don't know a lot about the many characters in the comics. I'm going to go with MCU Yelena Belova because I think that Ms. Marvel, being a super hyper teenager who gets overexcited by just about anything, would be hilarious to see working alongside Yelena. Yelena would say all her funny little comments while being slightly annoyed of Kamala's giddiness. Plus, now Yelena could be the big sister slash mentor type that Kamala could benefit from. Thank you, Ricky. I like that. And you know what? We love answers that cover the MCU or the comics or whatever. And as mentioned earlier in the show, our Marvel Insider code for this episode is MUTANT, M-U-T-A-N-T. Head over to marvel.com slash insider. You'll see the activity pages and just find that this week in Marvel activity. Put that in there and you are good to go. Please tell your friends, listen to the show, um, and also, uh, you know, do all the other activities there. You can get points that you can use for all kinds of stuff through Marvel Insider. Of course, Marvel Insider is open to U.S. residents. Only 18 plus, you know the deal. And that is it for us this week. Action packed. Next week's going to be even bigger. Thank you all for sticking with us. And this episode of This Week in Marvel is produced by Jasmine Estrada, Isabel Robertson, and Ryan Panagos. Our senior manager, audio production and development, is Brad Barton. Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. And this is her last week. So thank you to Jill. This is also last week to former This Week in Marvel producer Zachary Goldberg. Thank you to Zachary. Uh, best of luck to both of them as they go on to new endeavors. Special thanks to D-Dog for making the Marvel Universe a better place. Truly, everyone, honestly, go read Marvel Unleashed right now. I'm Ryan, and this is Marvel, your universe.